This is most certainly true. The Lamb of God who was long foretold has come to be our sacrifice. Jesus offered himself and graciously shed his blood in our place so that we could be forgiven. And now we have the assurance of life and glory with him forever in heaven. Join us to look to the Lamb through this sermon recently delivered at Grace. She was born in 1880, a healthy and happy young girl. It was a disease that she received, a sickness that she contracted when she was 19 months old that left her with both disabilities. That's the beginning of the life story of one of the more influential women in our nation's history. That's the beginning of the life story of Helen Keller. But it's certainly not the end. She learned how to communicate. She was blessed to have people who were in her life, blessed to have teachers and mentors who took the time that it took to, for her to be able to learn how to communicate. They gave her the skills that she needed, not just to cope and not just to survive, but to thrive. She became a prolific author. She even went on a traveling speaking tour, traveling around the world, speaking up for those who didn't have a voice at the time. In an ironic way, 
Helen Keller opened the eyes of our country to see the limitless potential that people with disabilities have to contribute in a meaningful way to society. But can you imagine what it must have been like? It wasn't easy, the life that she lived. Stories are told from her childhood about the temper tantrums that she would throw. That she would throw dishes against the wall. That she would break furniture because she would get just so mad. Stories are told about uncontrolled and unstopping screaming fits. It got so bad that her parents uh, were even told by close friends and family members that they were foolish for not putting Helen in a home. Have you ever stopped to think about the Helen Keller story from the perspective of her parents? Can you imagine what that must have been like? How would you train a child to grow up who couldn't see and couldn't hear? How would you tell them when they needed to be careful about something? How would you tell them what was right and what was wrong? You could say as many words as you wanted, but that child won't hear them. You can't even lead by example because the child won't see. Can you imagine how frustrating that must have been for Arthur and Kate Keller? But we can be thankful that they didn't give up that they took the painstaking steps and they showed that remarkable love so that Helen could grow to be the woman that she was. Today in God's Word, we have the story of a parent who raised a child who was born blind and deaf and lived in blindness and lived being deaf. Isaiah is the one who puts that story before us today. God is that patient father and the blind and deaf child is the collective nation of Judah. We're going to take a moment and consider the parenting tactics that our father used and we'll recognize that he's speaking to us too. We are the ones that he intends to speak to as he says, look, you blind and see. God addresses his blind and deaf child in this way. He says, Who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. Tough love, hey? That God would call his chosen people blind and deaf? It seems like those are harsh descriptors, but they are exactly what God's people were. Here's what God was saying. He was saying to his chosen people, he was saying to Judah, you have no excuse to not know me or see me. You are the last people on earth who would have an excuse, who, who should be deaf to my words, because I spoke them to you directly. I shared with you my love through the kings and the prophets. I helped you to see 
who I am. I helped you to see what my plans are for you through the priests and the ceremonies and the rituals and the sacrifices. I gave you every opportunity. I gave you every chance. I communicated to you who I was and who my, and what my love is for you and how endless it is. And yet your ears and your eyes were closed. I gave you every chance, but you still don't listen. Blind and deaf. Have you ever met someone who has selective hearing? Perhaps there's someone who lives in the home with you who has selective hearing. Maybe some of your new homeschool children have, in an effort to stay home and avoid the virus, have contracted a case of selective hearing. I wonder if it's been spoken in your home in the last week. I hope you listen better than this at school. If it hasn't been spoken yet, it's just week one. There's still time. Kids will bury their their faces into cartoons or, or electronics, and they go into a daze. They can hear that there are other living creatures around them, but they don't pay much attention. Maybe it's teenagers who get selective hearing. They understand that there needs to be some rules in the house, but it's the rules that they don't care for. Those are the ones that they just tune out a little bit. Those are the ones that they become quite deaf to. Husbands are infamous for having selective hearing, especially when the game is on. Do you remember when the games were on? I wonder, I wonder if Parents, I wonder if husbands are uh, becoming better listeners over the last week. Selective hearing is uh, something that becomes a caricature or, or something that we might joke about, but God doesn't joke. God didn't laugh at the nation of Judah's selective hearing, and he doesn't laugh when we fail to listen to him either. God calls our names, but how often don't we fail to listen? and pretend like he's talking to someone else. God calls us to action, but how often don't we stay sitting on the couch and refuse to act? That's probably a bad analogy today since many of you are sitting on the couch and doing exactly what God wants you to do. But do we have the zeal and passion of Samuel? Are we the ones that raise our hand and say, here I am, send me? Or do we actually rather... Just say, I'm going to live a pretty good life now and I'll deal with heeding God's call. I'll deal with those Jesus specifics a little later. God calls on fathers and husbands to be the spiritual leaders in their households, but how many fathers don't fail at that task or or do it with a half-hearted effort? God calls on all of us to give generous and first-fruits gifts to him in thanks and praise for what he's done for us, but we conveniently grow deaf to that call, especially when the call for entertainment or nice things at home speaks just a little bit louder. God calls on us to forgive those around us, but we let go of those commands of God so that we can hold on to our grudges and so that we can get even with those who have made our life difficult. 
God makes his desires for us pretty clear, plainly clear, yet we don't listen because we're blind and deaf. What do you do with the selective listener in your life? The wife who's just glued a little bit too much to HGTV might have her husband stand between her and the television to get her attention, or the passive-aggressive among us might actually take the remote and, and turn the TV off. The teenager might have some privileges revoked or might have some consequences for being deaf to the rules of the house. The child might have mom or dad raise their voice at them or take them forcibly by the arm to come face to face with the pile of laundry that they're being asked to go put into the drawer in their room. What should God do with the selective listeners in his life? What should God do with us? I'll tell you what God should do. He should do nothing. And I don't mean nothing like let us off the hook and don't worry about it, sweep our sins under the rug, nothing. I mean, he should do nothing. He should leave us to be who we are. He should leave us to be blind and deaf. Because in, a, in addition to being a, a shameful sin against the Lord, being blind and deaf to God is the worst place that we could possibly be. To be in a place where we can't see God, to be in a place where we don't hear his love, that's the worst consequence that we could face. That's the place that we deserve to be, to suffer the pain and punishment of our sins. That's the place that we deserve to be, left alone and separated from God to suffer eternally in hell. That's what God should do. Let me tell you what he does. He says, Hear, you deaf. Look, you blind, and see. At first, that might sound like a strange parenting strategy. To tell a blind and deaf child, See, hear, do you think Arthur and Kate Keller ever did that? Do you think they just yelled at their child to become better, to, to be cured? I'm sure not. And if you ever tried that with someone in your life who, who might suffer from those ailments, it's not going to work. It's not going to change them at all. It might change you. You might lose a friendship or you might be arrested for assault, but it's not going to make them any less blind or deaf. but it's totally different when it's our God who speaks those words. It is completely different when these words are on the lips of the Almighty because he has the power to make his words come into action. We had proof of that in today's gospel reading. Jesus spoke to the man who was born blind. Listen to what he said. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And Jesus' words had the power to back it up. His words had the power to heal. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. God tells deaf and blind people, hear. 
and see. Listen to what he says through his spokesman, Isaiah. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Though it was their own sin that led them into that condition, God still said, I will turn their darkness into light. He promises to reverse what their sins had done. It was Judah's blindness and deafness that got them carried off into captivity, that caused them to lose their homeland, that made them slaves under a foreign ruler. Yet God fixed it by opening their eyes and opening their ears so that they could hear his words of forgiveness and grace. God brought the remnant back from Babylon. God restored them to their homeland and he made them a promise. He promised them that through them, they and the world would see and would hear the amazing. He promised them that they would see and hear the Messiah. They would see and hear God's one and only son. They would see and hear him do things like we heard in our gospel lesson opening the eyes of a blind man, and they would see and they would hear so much more. Our God tells us to see and to hear, and he has the power to carry it out. He cured our spiritual blindness and deafness as he called us to faith in him through the power of the gospel, and he continues to cure us of those ailments every day with his forgiving grace. For the times that we don't listen to his call, he opens our ears to hear his powerful forgiveness. For the times that we bring deafness on ourselves by not spending enough time in his word, our God patiently waits for us and speaks his words of love. For the times that our eyes are closed to the needs of those around us, He opens our eyes to see Jesus, the one who saw our greatest need and filled it by dying on the cross to pay for your sins and mine and the sins of the world. The words of our God are powerful. Three drops of water, not enough even for a child to have his thirst quenched, but when they're connected to the power of of Jesus' words. Those words do more than quench thirst. They create life everlasting. A bite of bread and a sip of wine. It wouldn't strengthen a man to work for two minutes. But connected to Jesus' words, when he says, this is my body, this is my blood, take and eat, take and drink, these words have the power to cause us to live forever. As Jesus says, they are given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Faith opens ears and unblinds eyes so that we can perceive spiritual reality. The cross looks like foolishness. It looks like utter defeat to the blind eyes of the world. But to you and to to me, to, to we who have 
our eyes open through faith, we can see it for what it is, a place of victory and a place of hope. We can see there the cross of God's justice and his love, and we can see the mercy that he pours out on us for the forgiveness of sins. The world is blind to it. The world thinks the cross is foolish. But to us, it's the hope of everlasting life. Because of faith, our ears are open so that we can hear that what happened there, what Jesus spoke there from the cross, are words that he spoke to you and to me. It is finished. That means that our efforts towards salvation, our worrying about salvation, it's done because Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has made the all-sufficient sacrifice. Jesus has achieved what God demanded, offering his body and shedding his blood so that we could be made whole, washed clean, forgiven. And soaking in that grace of God, we have now new spiritual senses. We now have the ability to see what we could never see before. Before we could only be tuned in on our own needs, but now we have the ability to see opportunities for Christian service where we can help and serve those around us. Now we see how we can play a part in doing gospel ministry here at church, in our homes, in our communities, and around the world. Jesus gives us the faith to be able to see, the eyes to see and the ears to hear the opportunities that we have. Now we can look to him and see him for who he is. That's an amazing opportunity for people like us. That's amazing grace that he has shown. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Do these words bring you comfort? I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Are you on an unfamiliar path? I'll tell you this, the view from this pulpit is an unfamiliar one. To see a sanctuary filled with empty pews and to know that God's people are gathered remotely via an, an internet connection. That there's a, a gathering ban that precludes us from having regular public worship. And that that's being caused because of a global pandemic. That's uncharted territories for me. That's an unfamiliar path. And it comes with it all these questions. How long is this going to last? Is the worst of it behind us? How many more people are going to get sick? When can life return to normal? When can we gather together again in God's house? We're blind to the answers to these questions. But you know who isn't? Our God. Our God who sees all and knows all and loves all. He knows the answer, and we can know that he has a plan in all of this, and it's a plan that will work for the glory of his name and the blessing of his people.
They're on unfamiliar paths for sure, but we can rejoice in the fact that we have a God who has opened our ears to hear his promise. A promise that he will lead us. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Even though the news is depressing, and even though the days seem dark, open your ears of faith to hear his promise. God's got this, and God's got you. And those two statements are forever true. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Your God will never forsake you. Helen Keller lived her entire life coping with blindness and deafness. And she learned to do quite well and she became a role model and an inspiration and a a hero to many. On our own, we could never cope with or live through our blindness or deafness, but we can rejoice that we're not alone. Our God is with us every step of the way. He is the one who said, look, you blind and see, and it's his power that makes it true. It's his power that has opened our eyes and opened our ears so we can see him and that we can know the depth and the breadth and the height of his love for us. We can rejoice in in knowing that. That's a truth that causes us to use our eyes and our ears and everything that we have and everything that we are to praise his holy name. And praise his name we will, here on earth, and forever in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.